be prompt and click the button that makes it go away as fast as possible. <laughs> and this is why I have a job. Thank you, end users. Right, back to business. I'm in Oslo. I'm going to talk more about travels uh, and where I am and where I've been going just a moment because I did put it in the agenda of actual substantial things to talk about. Uh, I'm going to start, as always, with the sponsor and go from there. It's a, probably a good time for the sponsor given one of the topics we're going to be talking about today. Sponsor this week, again, is Aura. Aura being the identity theft organisation. One in three families have been affected by fraud. Secure your personal information with Aura's award-winning identity protection. Start the free trial. Spoken about Aura before, they do do a wonderful product in the US. That is the only caveat, and trust me, I'm pushing them on this because I, I think we need a better, a better class of identity theft product in my corner of the world as well. But uh, Aura is the smart, simple way to stay safe online. Only one digital safe for the whole family. Protect the family from identity theft, fraud, and online threats. Now I did see, let me make sure, I always like to make sure I get my facts right on these. I'm quite sure I saw a tweet from Aura just this week as it relates to, drum roll, <laughs> let's actually see if we, well they have a lot of tweets, as it relates to casinos and things in Vegas. Uh, in fact the tweet here that I was thinking of, the latest cyber attack is going all in on the Vegas Strip. This is a uh, a tweet of an MGM statement. Now this is not like I decide what I do each week in terms of the sponsor bit, but I like it when it ties in with other things and we are going to be talking about MGM. So Aura has, uh, has shared this tweet here from MGM Resorts International. MGM Resorts recently identified a cybersecurity issue affecting some of the company's systems. Promptly after detecting the issue, we quickly began an investigation with assistance from leading external cybersecurity experts. We also notified law enforcement and took prompt action to protect our systems and data, including shutting down certain systems. Our investigation is ongoing. We'll talk about that in a moment. And we're working diligently to determine the nature and scope of the matter. I suspect, as it relates to an identity theft company, this may be a good time for people impacted by that to be thinking about identity theft services uh, and again this isn't like pre-canned sponsor messages i just think it's interesting the timing of all this all right that's it who's here checking the ipad over here timok 1977 is here uh brendan is good not morning because brendan is in australia where it is not morning what time are you there mate must be just after 9 p.m we're uh 12 12 in the midday on a friday here in oslo and uh, for a little bit of a sense where I am, like you can see here, it looks like a very grand kind of room for those watching the video. There's a, I assume a fake painting, <laughs> something that looks old behind me and very grand sort of chairs. This is the Grand Hotel in Oslo. Uh, and this hotel now has a special meaning for us. So if you go to my Twitter profile right now, go to the pinned tweet, you'll see Charlotte and I standing in a window. It wasn't this room exactly, but it was this window with this view. And I think I said in the, the tweet something to the effect of this is now my favorite photo ever because I just love, love, love that picture. And we're in the process of getting it massively blown up. So to come back to the holiday where we had our Oslo, did I say come back to the holiday? Come back to the hotel. Where we had our Oslo wedding celebration in, uh, in December after the actual wedding celebration coming up on one year on Sunday. So we're one year anniversary on Sunday, which we're very excited about. Finally, actually going to share some wedding photos. I, we have never actually posted photos from the wedding. I, I had obviously the uh, wedding dinner, hence the balcony shot in my pin tweet. 
But uh, I think on Sunday we're gonna we're gonna share some of those. They, they did actually take a long time to come, which is part of the reason. And then by the time they came, you're sort of well on the flip side of all the wedding celebrations, and you're like, ah, oh, I'll get to it later. Hmm. Uh, Brendan says, correction, you're an hour too far ahead. Oh, that's why, because here's my problem. And this relates to me talking about travels. I started in the UK where it was nine hours. And then I went to Spain where it became eight hours. And I came to you last week from Alicante in Spain. So we'd just been there for a family wedding, lovely event. Went to the Netherlands and we had a couple of days in Amsterdam and a couple of days in Leiden. There are many photos of beers by the canal. That was also eight hours. And then we got to, and Fritz is there, <laughs> yes, very good, I've been practicing lately. Uh, then we ended up in Oslo just yesterday. So it is eight hours, sorry Brendan, so that is a quarter part. That explains why I've screwed up some of my other things that I've been trying to coordinate with people on. Thanks mate, helpful. Camfly CH is in Switzerland, won't be back to Switzerland on this trip. I was last in Switzerland in 2019. I love Switzerland, I love driving around Switzerland. Those hills, beautiful. Now, let me jump into the, the topic. The last thing on travel, so we will be here in Oslo. Where uh, I mean, we're in Oslo because I, I'm kind of half Norwegian now, I think, because I'm married one. But we've got a lot of family and friends here. So we were out, uh, out with friends last night. We are out with other friends, uh, well known to this show tonight for probably going to be the best dinner of my life. We'll, we'll share this later on. Uh, get together with friends tomorrow, more friends. Scott Helm is coming back to Oslo because he missed me because it's been 10 days since he saw me. Uh, <laughs> more friends stuff on Sunday. On Monday we're going to Prague. I'm excited about that because it's going to be my first trip to Prague ever. We're going there to do a few different things. We're going to the Experts Live event. I'm doing some things for Microsoft. I'm visiting Prusa, which I'm very, very excited about. And I will come from Prague next Friday morning to do this video just before we then go and jump on the big plane to head back to Australia. So that'll be a total of, I think, four of these I've done overseas. Um, anyway, next one coming on Friday. All right, where were we? Where's my list? Ooh, that's a different list. <laughs> we'll talk about that as we go through. So I put everything, everything goes into uh, Microsoft OneNotes when we, um, when we plan, we being me, the Royal We, when we plan these things. And I've got one in here somewhere, where is it? Blogs, 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 blogs. News, what's today? 15th of September, that'll update any moment now. <laughs> we'll figure out what we're actually gonna talk about. Oh, I did actually put it in the description, didn't I, of the video? Why don't I go back there? Uh, uh, why don't I see the description? Nick is in London. Ken is in Northern New South Wales. I was checking the temperatures for home. So we're gonna be back in Australia right at the start of our spring on the Gold Coast, 31 degrees, I think, on Thursday. Uh, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to coming home to that. Here we go. Here's the list. All right. Politi Nederland. <laughs> so I have a Dutch police logo here. Uh, patch here, uh, which is really, really cool. So we did tweet about this because the police themselves put out a, uh, a very nice LinkedIn update. In fact, I'm going to go to that LinkedIn update because there's some good detail in there. Um, because we're going to be back in Europe, I find every time I travel, it's nice to go and see people face to face, family and friends and everything wonderful, but also some of the organizations we work with, some of the governments we work with. And 
you know, I've sort of said before, particularly governments are doing such really, really important work and they're often doing it under huge amounts of stress and pressures that we don't have in private enterprise. Uh, a lot of regulation, a lot of politics, as you'd imagine, a lot of red tape, very constrained budgets. And, and I'll add to that, the people that are working for government are usually doing it with very strained, constrained personal budgets as well. They're often working for a lot less money than what they could get going out and working for private enterprise. And it, it, it is largely because they genuinely want to have a positive impact on the world and in the space that we work in on cybersecurity. Uh, and I, I cannot overstate how consistently true this is. And I've been to so many different governments around the world in different areas, and it's always the same sort of thing. And I think Charlotte said to one of the guys the other day, she said, look, you know, what's, what's so nice is we come and meet you and it's always the same experience as we have with people in, in Canberra or in London or in other parts of the world. Uh, so anyway, point is, when we were planning on doing this trip to, to the Netherlands, uh, I was chatting to some folks over there because the Dutch government has been very instrumental in everything from the recent Quackbot takedown to Emotet before that Genesis market was a really big one. Uh, all of the really big stuff that, that you would have probably seen online uh, not just from me, but from the from the industry folks in general. Uh, now, just see why is LinkedIn so hard to navigate around? Uh, if I view my profile, I should be able to see that. Oh, enhance your profile beta. It's a problem with me. I saw something shiny, and uh, and then that was it. There must be something on here about posts. Posts. Why wouldn't they put that somewhere obvious? Oh, you know what? I tweeted it. <laughs> I can find the LinkedIn post by going to my tweets, to my media, because I tweeted a photo of that stuff, and then I can go to LinkedIn, and while that's loading, in the photo is a very nice little police patch, uh, and also one of these cool challenge coins. So a lot of law enforcement departments around the world have these challenge coins and patches, and when they go backwards and forwards to different places, or they work with private enterprise, like me, you very often get one of these little coins. So these are really, really cool. I've got them from, uh, I know I've got one from when I did a talk at NYPD years ago. I've got some ACSC ones. Uh, what else have I got? I've definitely got some FBI ones. I shared those a little while ago. So I'm starting to get a collection of like patches and coins <laughs> and things like this, which I must put up somewhere in my office because they are really, really, really cool. And it's, it's obviously a, a, a trivial thing, but it's just a nice recognition. So, uh, Ruben, team leader, team cybercrime in Rotterdam, posted a very nice LinkedIn post. I'll link to it in the notes later on. Uh, today we met Troy Hunt and Charlotte Hunt, CEO and COO of Have I Been Pwned, the place on the internet to go if you want to know if your credentials have been obtained in a data breach. Uh, and Ruben wrote quite a, a nice sort of long overview here, but in essence, we, a lot of the discussion was around how can we better share information to and this is the phrase I've always liked to use, have I been pwned? How can we do good things with data from data breaches after bad things happen? And it, to be honest, a, a lot of the discussion, and he's touched on it in here as well, was around things like pwned passwords. So just before I went to the, uh, we went rather, not the Royal We, but <laughs> literally Charlotte and I went to Rotterdam to see the police. The, I, I posted some stats about pwned passwords. We have now passed six billion there's Stefan just in time. Stefan, we have now passed, as you know, 6 billion requests to pwn passwords a month. I checked this morning, we're up to like 6.04, and we hit, I think it was 282 million requests 
in one day, uh, just the other day, in fact, I checked just before I went into that meeting with the police because I wanted to sh share some of the updates. So a lot of discussions around things like how can we share this information? And it, it, there's always, always a little bit of competing objective. Now, not between the police and us uh, or other law enforcement agencies because I think everyone's got the same objective there. Like we all want to try and stop bad shit from happening online. <laughs> like that's the, <laughs> I'd like to put that on a coin, please. Just, uh, if I, I should do a Have I Been Pwned Challenge coin. Stop bad shit from happening online. That'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? All right, to-do list. The, the challenge and the competing objectives is, is more often around things like data breaches is the leaking of personal information, whether it's personally identifiable information, such as their email addresses and other things, or whether it's things like passwords, it's not really meant to be out there. And then once it is out there, what do we do with it? Now, something like Pwn Passwords is for the most part a no-brainer, not PII, put into a model that gives you obfuscation and is queried in a way that gives you anonymity is amazingly impactful given the effort involved in actually rolling the whole thing. And, and what I mean by that is that you, it's free, you don't have to do much, it's fast, it's cache 99.9999, is that enough nines? Percent of the time. It's an absolute no-brainer. But there is always hurdles to overcome in terms of regulatory views or other controls around how do we deal with data that has been leaked in a data breach. So that was a, that was a bit of the discussion, uh, as, as well as just sort of sharing with people, like, this is how it works. I, I walked through, this is how K-anonymity works. Um, that uh, gets a little techie. <laughs> so here's the links that explains it all. Uh, and we show a good bit of information about them about how they use information from the likes of data breaches to help protect organisations too. So I think everyone's sort of on the same wavelength here uh, about how do we use information in good ways after data breaches. A lot of discussion as well around that there's obviously this whole other piece about how do we prevent these things from happening in the first place. And part of that is if we can stop people reusing bad credentials because account takeovers are often an initial access point and then from there things get all kind of messed up. So it's, it's an interesting sort of full circle when we go, okay, not only how do we deal with it after it happens, but how do we try and prevent in the first place, uh, as well as however many Pluralsight courses and workshops and everything else I've done around that space to try and stop people being in Have I Been Pwned. And then a part of that circle too, which I, I'm getting increasingly passionate about, and it might be as I see our son, he's going to be 14 soon, as he approaches that age, but it's how do we steer individuals who are talented and curious and have time on their hands and reach a crossroads where they could go good guy, bad guy, and we make them, or help them rather, make the right decision. Uh, and, and what I suspect most people don't know is, is law enforcement agencies around the world, uh, including the Dutch, uh, are very proactively trying to help people not make bad decisions, not just for the betterment of society, but for themselves as well. And that can be anything from, uh, it's been in the public uh, in public news and everything before, that the, the Dutch did send a bunch of emails to people from raid forums saying that maybe you really shouldn't be on these forums doing the sorts of things that you're doing. We know that law enforcement do things like door knocks. Um, now, there has to be a certain class of, of risk, I guess, and, and I'm, I would imagine opportunity to turn the person around. But literally, police officer, knock, 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 knock. 
Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. We'd like to talk to you about little Johnny. Um, little Johnny spends a lot of time on the computer. But you get the idea. It's about preventative measures as well. So the point is, is that the, the touch points that law enforcement have are really sort of full circle, you know, stopping the folks from getting going down the wrong path in the first place, protecting the systems better, and then trying to use the data that comes out of breach systems to do better things. And that was a lot of the discussion we had the other day with the Dutch police. Uh, and they are absolute top-notch, fantastic people. And as I've always said before, they are the sorts of people that you would want to go out and have a beer with. So, putting it out there. Big thumbs up for Politi Nederland. Now, looking at the comments here. Um, let's have a look. What have we got? Uh, George is in Austria. Um, what else is happening? Stefan's excited about six billion. Nick Dubai seven. I missed it. You went to my favourite brewery in Amsterdam. The the how do I pronounce this? Nick Dubai seven. Is it the Thai Thai? It's got an IJ in it, which is very Dutch. Gordon joining me from Brisbane. Okay, <laughs> all the way from home. There you go. All right. So that was uh, that was Dutch police. That was a uh, I think. A very fruitful and very enjoyable experience. Right, two different data breaches to talk about. Now, just purely coincidentally, they are both airlines. One of them still exists under a different name. One of them no longer exists. Um, not clear how related that is to the the breaching of the data itself, or just the fact that yeah, they don't exist anymore. Uh, let's have a look at the details here. Now, these aren't new incidents either. Yeah, we're going to talk about MGM soon. That's a very new incident. These are not new incidents. They've been out there for a while. I have, uh, I have been going through trying to fill in gaps. And, and for folks out there listening, like if you have data, I know a bunch of people listen to this, travel in these circles. If you have data that you have seen in public forums, particularly public forums that require, for example, credits or some sort of exchange, which I never do, and you have that data, please let me know because it's, it's important. And there are probably people out there that have been in these incidents that don't know about it. Viva Air is a Colombian airline. Uh, disappeared, I believe, disappeared earlier this year. Do I say disappeared? It's bankrupt. 932,000 unique email addresses breached and ransomed last year. Data included name, physical and IP address, phone, and last four credit card digits. 67% of those already have been pwned. Now, initially, I was thinking 67% is quite a high hit rate for a non-US, Australian, Western Europe sort of organisation. But, you know, then they're an airline, I guess, so they have lots of travellers. Last four card digits is always interesting. Is it financial data? You can't make a transaction with it, but it is clearly a fragment of financial data is a fragment of a card. What can you do with last four digits? Very often used for identity verification. Then the story that always comes to mind with this one, and this is now a decade old, was the uh, the wide story about Matt Honan's epic hacking. If you've never seen that before, go and give it a Google. Part of the social engineering techniques that were used in that attack was the attacker being able to relay the last four digits of his card as a verification for don't quote me on this, but I think it might have been Amazon, but they had managed to get those last four card digits by compromising another one of his services. So that's a, a lot more, potentially, potentially, a lot more sensitive than what I think a lot of people think it is. Uh, second airline, 
Melindo Air. That's a Malaysian company. It's now rebranded under another name. 4.3 million unique email addresses from tens of millions of records. Now, I was a little bit vague about that. 2019 data breach. Uh, those records look very, very much, it's going to sound stupid, but they look very, very much like airline records. Uh, and maybe because I've spent so much time on planes or looking at screens of people of planes. And they're very much like booking references. Uh, I'll just read the data fields here. Name, physical address, date of birth, gender, phone, and passport details, which is a bad one because that's identity documentation. 66% of those, isn't that interesting? 67% on Viva Air, 66% on Melinda Air. Same sort of story. Malaysian, a little bit outside of the general geography of data breaches that uh, they're going to have a been pwned, but a very high hit rate inevitably because of travellers. So that one went in just yesterday. I just managed to hit the button on that while I was in uh, Schiphol Airport before jumping on another airline, which uh, as far as I know has not been pwned yet. They're not in have a been pwned anyway. All right, where were we with the comments here? So a couple come through. Nick Dobbo, so I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> you don't know how to pronounce it in the text message. We always mess it up, but sitting next to the windmill in the sun with that beer is one of the best spots in the city. It's 32 degrees too when we're sitting there having that beer. Uh, and you know, one of the things I really like when I travel is I really like walking. And unfortunately, Charlotte enjoys walking too. So we walked about 10K according to the watch that day. And we had a beer there and then we went to a Mexican place and we had some some uh, Mexican drinks, <laughs> some margaritas, and a bunch of Mexican food. And, uh, and then walked through some of, the, some of the more interesting places of Amsterdam that Charlotte hadn't seen before. Actually, she'd never been to the Netherlands before, so she definitely hadn't been to those interesting places. It was entertaining. Did a 25K bike ride the next day, that was nice. Rode down to somewhere that, uh, that had goats. And you could just walk in and like pat the goats, which is kind of cool. All right, I want to something a bit more serious. The, uh, the MGM resorts, and I, I just said in the message here, the MGM ransom situation. Now, we saw the message from Aura before uh, about the MGM situation, and inevitably that is the sort of thing that leads to identity theft. Now, I don't know what sort of data has been compromised yet in this ransomware attack. What I do know is that it sounds like it's a very large amount of data. And if you were to think about the sort of information that a hotel chain slash casino would have, it would be rather substantial. I mean, it's, geez, even, I don't know if it was this hotel, the last one, we, we checked in and they're like, passports, please. And both Charlotte and I were like, why is it so many times in Europe they want your passport? Now they didn't need it at this hotel and I have a feeling they didn't need it at the last hotel. They did the hotel before that. In Australia, that would never happen. Now tell me if I'm wrong folks, but I have never checked into a hotel in Australia and they're like, give me your passport. But you're handing over, I mean, you might as well be flying like, what, what is it, Melindo Air, <laughs> and then having your data leaked by there. But a lot of information gets handed over. I would imagine that there's lots of home addresses, lots of phone numbers, lots of physical address, physical is home. Uh, other personal information. So it's potentially very, very volatile. Now, before I get into the, the odd twist that has happened last night, I was uh, having my breakfast this morning, reading the news. It's a story here about Caesars. 
So Caesars Entertainment. Uh, now, I believe that's the same Caesars that runs the hotel and casino in Vegas, the very well-known one, the one that did feature in The Hangover as well. Our sources say Caesars Entertainment paid $15 million, that'd be US million too, so that's like 22 million Australian dollars, to the hackers to resolve its data breach. The original demand was 30 million. Like we know that crime does sometimes pay, but holy cow, like 15 million. Uh, there's an interesting quote here in this story, and this is from casino.org. <laughs> I'm not sure who the quote is from. Uh, so a couple of things here. Uh, first of all, uh, there are recent SEC changes in the US that required disclosure of significant cybersecurity incidents. And I, I think this only came through in about July. So it's interesting, obviously ransomware is a significant cybersecurity interest. Uh, in Let's try that again. Ransomware is a significant cybersecurity incident. So I wonder if that was the catalyst to disclose, and I wonder how many incidents there were before that where there wasn't disclosure. So there's that. And then the quote in here, which I thought was interesting, is it says, the old, we don't negotiate with terrorist strategy doesn't make a lot of sense when there's insurance to reimburse 30 million in pocket change and you get to continue with business as usual. And that's, that is sobering. It's like, yeah, like pay the 30 million because you get to get on with your business and it's pocket change in the scheme of things for a massive casino. I'll tell you who it's not pocket change for, no, number one, me and I guess you as well, but also whoever is actually demanding these ransoms. Now there's an interesting thing here in terms of the attribution. Now where are we? How do they attribute here? Uh, actually, I think I saw this originally in the Risky Business Newsletter. I forget the name of the collective, but one of these collectives seems to be the person or the entity responsible for Caesars and allegedly also responsible for MGM, with the discussion there being that they have then gone on and sold access through to Black Cat slash Alpha V. Uh, and that is, I guess, part of the business. There's a tradable commodity, which is initial access into one of these organizations. Brings us to the odd situation with, um, with MGM. So I get up this morning and I've got multiple messages from people saying, Oh wow, like did you see the, the black cat uh, ransom message mentioning you? And I was kind of like, okay, well that's, that's not something I wake up to every day, what's going on? So, Alpha V slash black cat has on their Tor Hidden Service site here, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's really long, but if you want to read the whole thing, there's a, you don't have to go to the dark web. Miko has screen captured and tweeted it all out. Uh, but it starts with saying, we have made multiple attempts to reach out to MGM Resorts International. As reported, MGM shut down computers inside the network. As a response to us, we intend to set the record straight. And then there's a whole bunch of, I guess, justifying what they're doing there. Where it gets a bit more interesting here, there's a couple of parts. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, they're giving their side of the story here. <laughs> So to be clear, like their side of the story is we are a criminal enterprise. It's just that some of the criminal things we did are a little bit different to reported. So, you know, I guess like they're owning being a criminal enterprise, but um, we are unable to reveal if PII information has been exfiltrated at this time. If we are unable to reach an agreement with MGM, 
and we are able to establish that there is PII information contained in the exfiltrated data, which is interesting because it sounds like they don't know yet. We will take the first steps of notifying Troy Hunt from haveibeenpwned.com. He is free to disclose it in a responsible manner if he so chooses. Now, I was half asleep when I read that and, and I had some initial thoughts on it and then I had some coffee and some more coffee and some chats with people. Uh, and this is, uh, and we don't even begin with this. I don't want Have I Been Pwned to be something that enables the wrong behaviours. Now, okay, the ransomware and everything has happened beforehand, so it's not that. I, I don't want it to be something that benefits criminal entities. I also want it to be something that benefits victims. Now, to be clear, I have had no contact whatsoever from Black Cat Alpha V about MGM. So, yeah, this the only thing I know so far is what they put on their on their announcement here. I would I think I would I'd have to see if there is contact and what they send, what to do with it. Um, someone I was chatting to said, you know, don't give anyone oxygen over this. And that was the same term, oxygen, that was so constantly used after the Medibank ransomware attack in Australia in November, where there was a lot of discussion around, don't even discuss it in the media because you give the issue oxygen, you raise to the awareness the criminal enterprises who've gone and ransomed this company. And I, if I'm honest, I got to a point where it's like, this is just getting so messed up now. So for those of you who missed the story, this was where they ransomed Medibank. They asked for, I think, about $11 million or something. Uh, Medibank said no. And they're like, okay, well, here's the list of everyone who had abortions. And then here's the list of people on uh, drug addiction and psychological problems. Uh, what were the other ones? Uh, here's like famous people. This is just like maximum, maximum damage. <sighs> I, I think the argument about not giving these incidents oxygen by not reporting on them I don't know that by the general public seeing more of this, it necessarily changes the criminal behaviour. And if I think about the Medibank situation, you know, look, everyone knew about this. Um, certainly everyone in our industry knew about it very, very well. And it's the same with MGM at the moment, even if everyone stopped talking about it. Uh, those of us in this industry know about it very, very well because there are a lot of communities that aren't necessarily out there in the public that do have these conversations. So the, the, the oxygen thing implies that by there being discussion about this, or potentially if the data was in have I been pwned, it somehow further enables the criminals. I, I think what the criminals are really looking for is what is the way that we can do the most damage. If we look at the Medibank situation, you know, clearly that was like, let's pick the most vulnerable people where people just go, what the, you know, what is wrong with these people? Um, I have been thinking for some time, given how much ransomware there is at the moment and how much ransomware has pivoted from just an attack against availability, encrypting your things, through to attacks against confidentiality and leaking your things, I have been thinking about should I be more actively looking at data in corpuses that have been leaked to the public through sites like Alpha V's 
should that data be going into have I been pwned? Now, it's, it, it's a bit non-trivial in a way because often it's like a terabyte of data across Word documents and PDFs and things. It's not like, you know, here's a .sql file and we just regex out all the email addresses. So there is a mechanical difficulty to it. There's also the, I guess, the, the fact that you then have to go and obtain all of these documents taken from an organisation, which at least for me, somewhat psychologi psychologically, is a bigger step than just parsing a text file. But on the flip side, how many individuals are in ransomed documents and they never know that their data has been exposed there? And I, I think this is sort of part of the lens I'm looking at this, um, this MGM thing through as well. So if, if there's a, a heap of information that's leaked, and like let's say it's my data in there, would I want to know about it? So yeah, I'd, I'd want to know about it. Um, then again, will MGM disclose it to people that were in there? I don't know. That's probably a good discussion I have with them at some point as well. So the, the short answer is that yeah, at, at the moment, like I've woken up, I've popped up somehow in this ransom page by not just criminals, but probably Russian criminals as well, which at the moment just makes the whole thing even worse again, who said they're going to send me data. Now, as I said, I have no data. I have no contact. So I'm just going to have to wait and see. And if they do send something, we're going to have to figure out what the hell to do with it. Uh, I don't want to benefit criminals. I don't want to not advise victims. So that's the, that is the rock and the hard place. How the hell did I get myself into this place? <laughs> Nearly a decade of doing data breaches and this thing is still, yeah. Okay. I saw a comment flash through on my, my iPad screen. Um, Nick Dolo 7 says, read the passport thing. I've been asked to show at the last couple of hotels in Europe. When I was in Thailand a few years back, they kept the physical thing. I don't know if that was for safety or what. Um, yeah, good question. Because if they keep it and then you go somewhere else that wants to see your passport. I mean, good example. I remember going to a bar in Seattle and they didn't want to accept my driver's license as proof of ID. Now, I was well into my 40s by then. Right? So it wasn't like, hey there, young man, like, can you show us some ID? But it was, they said, you know, we have to we have, to have ID. Uh, you've got this weird Australian driver's license. Normally, we wouldn't accept this, but you look honest kind of thing. And, you know, really, you should have your passport with you. So if you leave your passport with the front desk and you want to go and get a beer, I, I just feel very un uneasy about that. So he says, uh, Nick Dobbison says, in Thailand, was in a hostel, so maybe that's why. But years ago in Japan, in a nice hotel, they also kept it, even though you're technically meant to carry it. I'd feel very uneasy about leaving it. Um, I, where was I the other day? I was somewhere where they wanted me to leave my keys. It was one of these things where it's like, I don't know, I needed a locker or something like that. And they wanted me to leave the keys. And I'm sort of looking at it going, it was, <laughs> I guess, depending on the car, maybe it's worse or not. It was the E63 AMG key. And I was like, um, I will leave you this valuable air tag that was attached to the key. And that's all you get. So maybe, maybe it's just some sort of token that they want. Um, <clears throat> I'd be more inclined to leave like my driver's license or something. Even that, I really don't like the idea of... But then again, like if you are checking into a hotel and you're jet lagged and you're on the other side of the world and they're like, give me a passport or you leave, <sighs> your, your options aren't great at that stage. Okay, 
One more thing. Wait, wait, wait. It's in my list. Uh, what do you think about the new Apple things? I added this last moment. Apple's had their announcement. New phones, new watches. I've seen part of the announcements. I was... I don't think anyone was surprised, were they? Um, I don't think anyone was surprised because... What do we know? Phones. USB-C. <laughs> okay, finally, that's good. Uh, finally, I can get rid of all those lightning cable things. But then you start thinking, it's like, well... What does that impact? I've got to change some of the cables that I have in the cars for charging, and not so bad. I've got a Mophie power bank that's got like a built-in lightning cable, change that. Uh, okay. But basically, like USB-C, it's not, it's not setting the world on fire, just with like a standard power adapter. Uh, action button on the Pros. I have been using a Pro phone for a while now. I just take so many photos for the travel. I'm gonna stick with the Pros because I really, really want the good cameras. Action button, it's not. It's not that exciting. <laughs> Maybe, I, I pretty much always leave my phone on silent because I just get the notifications via the watch. So you can apparently repurpose that action button to other things. So okay, I guess, yeah, may, actually, I think the most useful thing I could do with the action button <clears throat> is have it turn on the camera. Because then, particularly when my hands are wet because I've been in the pool and I want to take a photo of me like drinking beer in the pool or something, I could just do physical button to turn on the camera then physical button to take the photo. That's actually kind of cool. I don't mind that. Because it's now USB-C, it can be used to reverse charge. So you can charge like your headphones or your Apple Watch from there. Not a massive value proposition for me. I would much rather be able to charge another phone from it. So Charlotte's phone is going flat, we can USB in, and then I guess you just gotta be able to control which way the, the power goes. Uh, so there's that. Titanium saves, what is it? like 5%, I think it was like 6% of weight. <laughs> it's not a game changer. Uh, bezels, bezels are smaller. Kind of better because it's, it's the same screen size, but smaller bezels, so the actual physical size comes down very, very slightly, which would be nice because we run the Max phones as well and that they are, even with big hands, like they're a, yeah, they're a bulky thing. <clears throat> and then there's faster processors and better cameras and all the usual crap that happens every single year. So, I, when was the last time we got a new iPhone and we went, well, that is actually game changing. That's super, super cool. I really like that. We, we don't have that this time. It's a very incremental thing. That is a tax deduction, so we're probably gonna get them. <laughs> I think we can pre-order as, uh, as of about one hour from now, because it's 10 p.m. in Australia. <clears throat> so if I got that right, we can pre-order the phones and then they'll turn up in a week or something like that. And then the ones that the kids keep breaking, we can just keep replacing by handing down the other ones, which tends to be the cycle of life in, uh, in iPhone land in this household. The watches, there's a Ultra 2. I mean, I've just gone through and really just read the cliff notes. I, I don't see myself changing that. For the most part, I like this. If there was something that was like fundamentally different, I'd change it, but nah, yeah. Uh, what's in the comments here? Tmock1977 says, leaving your AMG key could lead to a Ferris Bueller type of situation when you left the Ferrari at the car park. Yeah, I just, I just don't want to do that. <laughs> I really don't want to do that. Um, Nick007 had the same thing in the US. I'm born in December. Took way too long to explain DDMM thing. <clears throat> Americans doing that with dates is just a different problem altogether. What bugs are like a... 
I'm on my high horse about dates. It, it bugs me that there's only two places in the world, and I think it's the US and Bolivia, that want to put the month before the date. I could live with that if everyone just consistently used letters for the month. Because that's not ambiguous. Like everybody under, it doesn't matter what order you put them in, NOV is always November. It's never like, well, I thought you meant the 11th of the month. No, it's always November. So just, just use letters. Please use letters. <sighs> Brennan says, I'm going to be completely honest. I kind of wish I didn't buy my iPhone SE back in January, but I'll milk it for another couple of years. Um, <clears throat> Stefan, phone seems to be just the normal perf upgrade and a slightly better camera thing. There's nothing really revolutionary. Yeah, I'm with you with this, mate. Action button reminds me of the camera button on Windows phones. I love those, actually. And... Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it will be. I think I'm going to turn to that. Now, Richard has made a point here. G'day, Richard. <laughs> Thanks for joining. We're just about to wrap up, but thank you. Um, I was waiting for someone to raise this. He's gone YYYY-MM-DD. And, of course, there's an ISO format for this, and we can include time and UTCs and time zones and all the rest of it. And I wrote a blog post ooh, a long time ago about things like date formats. <clears throat> And a bunch of people suggested this, and they said, if you use that, no one's confused. And I said, okay, so, you know, today would be 2023-09-15. Now, okay, there's a 15 in it, so we're fine. But if it was 09-07, what month would it be? And everyone says, well, of course, it's, it's September. Because when you have an ISO format that begins, as Stefan's picked up, ISO uh, 2601, thank you very much, or 8601. <laughs> nerd anyway because <laughs> you didn't even have to look that up did you when uh when you represent that in that format a bunch of people are like well but when you start with the year it's always the month that happens after that and i i kind of said at the time and i think i even ran a poll about this and i said you know that and i know that but my mum and dad don't know that and i always use my mum and dad as the example because they're not as technical as me they're an older generation they're yes less used to seeing data represented in this format they don't necessarily know that. And I do not like implicit formats. Now, if you're using it programmatically, and this is the, the way that you store your data in, in let's say, a, a, a data construct that is not a date-time construct and it's a string and you have to represent a date-time, and it's your code and you write it that way and you read it that way, no problems at all. But you can't put that in front of humans. <laughs> you know, Not humans that are mere mortals. But again, if we put the month with three letters, nobody ever misunderstands it. There's nobody that ever sees Nov and thinks it's the 11th. Just saying, just saying. Brendan uses ISO 8601 when he's typing up notes at work, which is fine because you type it and then you read it back and you know what it means. But if you type it up that way and you send it to my mum and dad, they're confused. Stefan says, hi mum and dad, let me tell you about a thing called ISO. Yeah, exactly, you lost it. So we're back to the... Uh, we're back to the whole, you know, how do we, how do we communicate with humans about cyber things? That's a tricky one, isn't it? Okay, folks, I'm going to wrap it up there. It's lunchtime in Norway, so I'm going to go off and do that. I'll come to you from Prague Friday morning. I'm going to try and make sure I can get it done Friday morning before I jump on a lot of hours worth of flights to get home. Uh, thanks for watching. It will be interesting to see how things pan out, particularly that MGM thing between now and next week, but I'm sure we'll talk about it then. See you, everyone.